Welcome to Robert Baharian's podcast. Today we will be talking with <laughs> Robert's wife. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you nervous to talk to me? I'm not nervous. I accept you unconditionally. Okay. No matter what you say. Okay. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Robert Baharian and this is Masters in Investing. On this show, I talk to guests about financial markets, the economy, investing, and business. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us an awesome review. Let's get into it. My guest today was the number one guest on Masters in Investing, um, the boss, my wife, Debbie Baharian. And I have interviewed CEOs of companies, managing directors, chief investment officers, and I have never had as great of a difficulty in trying to get someone booked in to do this episode than Debbie. So uh, you're in for a treat. We talk about financial freedom. We talk about external and internal beliefs. We talk about agendas in life and in business. And... Debbie also challenges me on why clients come to see us and what problems they're really trying to solve. So here's what we've got. Hope you enjoy it. Robert Baharian is the founder and CEO of Baharian Wealth Management, AFSL 526798. The information contained in this podcast may include general advice and does not consider your particular circumstances. You should seek advice from a registered financial advisor who can consider if the general advice is right for you. Debbie Baharian, welcome back to Masters in Investing. Thanks, Robert. Great to be here again. Um, so the last, this has become a tradition. So we do the last episode of every season on the Tower of Wealth. And we talk about things that are more than money and more deep and meaningful than uh, conversations about investing and markets and things like that. Season two, so the second episode we did during season two is actually the number one um, downloaded and listened to podcast on Masters Investing. Um, And so I wanted to pick up on that and talk a bit more about it. You know, the interesting thing is I've had this podcast and I've interviewed and spoken to um, CEOs of companies, managing directors of companies, chief investment officers of companies and you have been the hardest person to book a time in with what the hell because i'm the most important <laughs> yes clearly <laughs> so let's pick up on on the, the concept of financial freedom because we talked about that quite a bit and given it was the number one uh, most listened to episode on masters investing how much do you think the concept of financial freedom has changed over the course of the last 12 months or the last 18 months, given COVID and given people having a chance to reassess what they're doing, why they're doing it, um, et cetera? How much of it do you think has changed, if any at all? Look, certainly it has completely changed in our lives and also the lives of most of my clients um, in that we really know what's important now, being able to be at home, spend time with the family and 
really don't have all of that outside stuff to stress about, you know, things to get to and whatever, you have that time to be able to sit and reflect on things. And I think people now understand what's important to them. And it is far more than just financial wealth. Although you do have some people who obviously um, struggling financially and they need finances in order to pay their bills and things like that. And that's that's adds another layer of struggle for them. Um, but I guess for you and I, we're very lucky in that we're able to be at home, the four of us, and really enjoy our time together for but the don't past you think, few years. Like even the last two weeks with things opening up, don't you think we just fall into the same habit and what we used to do? It's almost like we're yearning to go back to kind of a bit of a routine of, you know, going to the bakery on a Saturday morning or whatever it is. Maybe that's just me. But don't you think people just fall back into that habit of just doing what they were doing before rather than spending time enjoying the things that, that we so we so say we enjoy, which is spending time with the kids and all, which is all good and well. But don't you think there's some natural reversion to what we were doing before? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the flow of life just takes us where it needs to go. And when we come back into, you know, so-called normal life with all these things happening, we still on the back of our minds have this appreciation for the time that we had in lockdown where we weren't doing as much. And I think as long as you have both of those things and you can accept both of those things, I think that's what a lot of people got out of it in that no matter what happens, really, it's going to be okay. Like we were locked in our houses and we were okay, which is really a lot to be said for that. That's really interesting because I remember when, do you remember when we were in, we were, we were, walk, we were bushwalking in and around the Warrandyte old uh, mines and the caves. And when the news came out that uh, we were going to be locked down, like an Italy-European style lockdown, I, I was actually, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that, that would be something that that would happen here and that we would have to literally be locked up in, a, in our own houses and be kind of having all these ideas in your mind about what's supposed to happen, what can we do about it, et cetera. But obviously we couldn't do anything about it. But that's a really good point that we adapted and we were able, and it, one, everything was okay. One, we were able to adapt. Two, we continued to do the things that we needed to do. And three, everything was okay. And even with people's businesses, I, I spoke to a lot of our clients and a lot of prospective clients who are running businesses, small, medium, really big businesses. And everybody was really fearful about what was going on and what it actually meant for their business, for their, for their customers and for their own families and things like that. But what was really interesting was most people's ability to be able to uh, adapt to the market and what was going on at the time. And in fact, a number of businesses were thriving even more than they were pre-COVID. So like, I wonder how, how much do we underestimate ourselves and our ability to be able to survive and thrive 
in uncertain conditions. Mm, I think it, it says a lot for humanity that every, everyone's able to adapt and be free. I mean, not everyone, I think most people have been able to adapt because we get put in these situations and you just have to accept it. If you don't accept it, then you suffer. And, you know. What do you mean you suffer? You don't accept it, then you feel... You know, you feel like you want to change the situation. You feel like you want to get out of there. You go into survival mode. You get into fear and anxieties and worries and that sort of stuff. You know, you can't live day-to-day feeling like that. Not, none of us want to. So I guess... But that's a if, subconscious mind. That, that, that's a that's... subconscious mind. And I was going to say, even if you don't, if you're not aware of it, you're adapting to the situation in order for you to get out of this survival mode or suffering or pain from the situation. Um, And, you know, a lot of people keep saying, you know, it is what it is. And that is the ultimate acceptance. And if you can accept that in all areas of your life, that it is what it is, then that's when you'll be able to find peace. It is what it is. And do you think then our beliefs play like a massive role in that and what I mean by that is what we believe to be true or what we believe should be the circumstance because there are, I'm sure there are lots of people who to this day don't accept what has been happening for the last two years whether it's with personal lives or whether it's business or whatnot like do, do you reckon it's almost like pushing shit uphill like you're fighting the universal power, let's call it, with the way the the direction that things are going and the way things are going, and you're constantly trying to fight that rather than kind of almost go with the tide rather than trying to fight it. If I can make that mm-hmm. um, analogy, and so like, is it our beliefs that we can change to look at things differently and believe things differently? Like we've got that control, right? Like we can change those things. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's there's many layers there, not just beliefs, but there's expectations, there's this need to control, there's this desires, there's your own agendas, things like that. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is I'm going to keep it very simple and just say everything that happened and everything that is happening right now is happening because it's happening. Like it's happened. So just accept it. It has happened. So what can you do to change that? And our human minds would like to overthink it, like to be like, feel regret about things or like to look at the past and be like, well, if I said this and if I said that and I did it wrong and I did it right and blah, 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 blah. But it's happened. There is no point wasting your energy, your time and your effort to consider it, think about it a lot. Just let it go and be here in the moment right now and make the most of this moment, which is really all we have. When So when we, in the, in the world of finance and investing we always talk about like with our clients focus on what you can control and direct your energy on the things towards the things you can control and control the controllable and understand almost the rules to the game which is one thing that I really like talking about and the rules to the investing game is that there are risks um, business valuations will go up business valuations will go down there will be um crashes and there will be booms and there will be all of these things that are just the rules to the game and they're going to happen and if you want to play that game you need to understand that that's going to happen who knows when but they're the rules and what we need to do is not try and waste energy on focusing on those things because we can't control those what we can control are things like where we how we diversify our portfolio how much cash we hold how much 
we spend on different um, investments and costs of investment. So these things I'm skimming off really highly, high level, they would be the same with things like what is happening in the world is happening and the things that we can control are the way we respond to things, the way we, uh, the way we interpret or believe, like these things we can control, right? And what about things like, I, I remember um, thinking about, uh, this is quite, maybe, maybe a couple of years ago now, understanding the concept of, of framing, which is uh, when there's a situation or a circumstance or something that I'm faced with, whether it's dealing with people or a particular outcome, that in my own mind, I've already framed the outcome that I want, the way it should unfold or the way, you know, a simple thing is like, I don't know, for, pe for people who've got kids will totally get this, is the, the way you expect kids to behave, like, you know, they're supposed to get out of bed in the morning and they're supposed to, in an orderly fashion, like change their clothes, brush their teeth, put their shoes on, and you leave the house in an orderly fashion. Now, that doesn't happen, but the reason I'm using that example is because in, in, in my mind and, and in people's minds, we, we frame up this uh, outcome or process or way things are supposed to happen. And more often than not, that's only my belief. That is my interpretation of the way things are supposed to happen. And, and that's no different to whether it's when we're facing and just going through life or whether it's when we're investing, the way we think investments should perform or the way markets should go. How do we, we recognise that? How do we face that? How do we deal and manage um, that which is framing in our own minds? Well, I guess you've got to first look at what is it? Like, is it something that you are going for? Is it something that you want and, and your expectations and attachments to that which is what you want um, or whether it's that you just want to enjoy the moment playing the game? Um, if you're really attached to the outcome of things, and it doesn't work out in that way, mm. or even if it does, you know, you spend the whole time fearing that it won't. Uh, I don't think that's a very peaceful life. But if you're doing it like to play the game and you don't actually care whether it goes up or goes down, you just want to see what happens, it's just for fun, then that there's much more peace in that. But is it for fun? Like how could how could one's entire financial life be just fun like should it be fun should we, should we look at or is 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 that just isolating one part of life are we, are we talking about life as an aggregate and that's one component of it yeah I think money actually is a big um like you can actually use money in terms of an analogy for life I find that you know when you're you when you feel abundant in life in general money comes to you and the more you don't care about the money, the more you actually find that abundance within you, the love within you, the joy within you, the more money actually arrives. So instead of attaching to wanting the money or trying to, as you say, putting all your financial resources into this um, outcome or whatever it is, what you need to look at is, well, why do you want that outcome? Why is that important to you? What are you looking for, really? 
And most people will find or get to the spot if they really look at it and spend time doing that, they will really get to the spot where it's actually not about money at all. It's about, could be about freedom. It could be about health. It could be about happiness, you know, stuff that is inside of you instead of outside of you. The, the stuff that's inside of you, why, why can't we uncover that as easily as we would like? Like, why is it, why can it be such a difficult thing to be able to try and uncover those things? Like, because we don't spend time thinking about it. We don't give us, ourselves the opportunity to uncover those things. Like, wh- wh- why? Well, certainly that's the reason. But it, it starts with awareness as well. But there are many layers in society. I mean, if you, especially in the Western society, all everybody cares about is success. And look, not all everybody cares about it. It's very judgmental. But um, a lot of the conditioning that we have in society is that yeah, and we've talked about that wealth and success. Yeah. So it's hard to get out of it when, you know, 99% of the people around us, they're going for the same goals. You know, they want to um, succeed in life. They want to buy a big house. They want to have their kids in private school education and get them to also be successful. You know, it's really hard to actually come away from that and, and think differently to everybody else um, and actually just look inside you and find that everything you already have is need is already there. So it's the conditioning. It's also the beliefs from your parents. It's also um, you growing up, you know, the friends around you that you have. Um, and it's, it's usually something, I find that it's usually something in life that will trigger you to be like, well, hold on, there's got to be something more here than what I'm living. Like four years ago, we were, um, I actually was all about finances and wealth and success and the physical like how I look physically um, my life on the external level but I realized that deep inside of myself there was an unhappiness you know I, I was dissatisfied and from then I went on this journey over the years to find what it is that why is it that I was dissatisfied and then find that peace within me um, and that is the inner transformation. And when I transform on the inside, then the outside changed too. And is that, do you think that's like a, a big investment um, and it's just easier to keep with the status quo? It's like when, I don't know, I want to lose weight or I want to get stronger, but I can't be bothered going on some sort of lifestyle change or go to the gym every day or go for a run every day or whatever it is. Like, is it the, the work that's involved in getting there and going through that process that do you think is um, that people or we as people don't want to go through because mm-hmm. it's hard? Yeah, and also we're used to in society now with like taking a pill, going to the doctor, taking a pill for yeah, something yeah, and yeah. then your thing goes away, like your gout goes away in two days instead of having to actually <laughs> look at your lifestyle and transform it for you to have like inner health. So um, I think a lot of people look for the external to fix the external. Mm. instead of looking at themselves and like it's really hard you know in the morning I, I do a philosophy class every week and yesterday she said the teacher said oh well in make sure that when you wake up in the morning your first thought is a positive thought and you know that is actually really hard when most of our thoughts are actually negative to actually wake up and be aware of it so the first step is the awareness 
And then to be aware of yourself having these negative habits, you're like, oh, well, I thought I was actually quite a positive person. And then you realize that you're actually not. That is quite confronting and very difficult journey. So a lot of people will find that that's so difficult, they'll run away from it and they'll go back to their old habits again. Because that's how society is all at the moment, where we're all just going for that same thing. And it's hard to go against the grain to go into what is true to your heart. But isn't there something about people who have, who are, um, who are independent, who want to kind of forge their own path, and they're sort of almost rebellious in a sense that they're going against, you know, society's um, um, direction almost. Like there's something about that. Like it's almost admirable, and yet, you know, I, I think a lot of people we all want, we all would love to 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 be in that position but you know we don't kind of put in the work I don't know just um yeah it doesn't make sense to me yeah if you really like if you really wanted something that badly like if I really want something that badly but I think self-awareness is really important as well like even you may think you want this thing but you're not willing to put the work in it obviously is not that important to you that you wouldn't put the work in Mm. For, for whatever whatever it might be or it could be so important but you have so much fear what do you mean fear of what fear of you know fear of change which is like the biggest fear um you know that you know even though you know for example you want to lose weight you know you want to lose weight you know that your life would be better with that but then there's these subconscious fears of well if I lose weight then I'll be a different person. Everybody, everything around me will be different. No, you, not you. I'm saying like in general, those are the kind of fears that will come up subconsciously for people. Um, So it's like, well, if you have a total transformation on the inside and on the outside, then maybe your friend group will change. Your family will feel differently. Really? I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't buy that. Yeah. No, this happens in many, many of my clients. I would say most of my clients where they always have this underlying fear that, a subconscious uh, fear. A subconscious fear. And, it, and we bring it up in the session where we, they'll realise it. And subconsciously, this is how you limit yourself. This is how you stop yourself from changing. Like, for example, you know, if you want to make millions of dollars and you go, you start like working at it and then you keep self-sabotaging, self you don't know why, because you know that in your heart you really desperately want to do this, but you self-sabotage, self-sabotage. And then we go into it and we find that your fear is that if you were to be a millionaire, a multimillionaire, then all your friends will take advantage of you or, you know, that people might judge you for being rich, that sort of stuff. And Never cross my mind. It's obviously your own beliefs. I mean, it's obviously not crossing your mind, but and you've worked a lot on yourself, that's why. Um, and it's your own beliefs of the rich people. So then you have to let go of what you believe about rich people and poor people and work on that in order to clear the way for you to be able to achieve whatever it is that you want to. I reckon there's, I reckon it's just hard for people to, you know, if we're using the weight loss analogy again, like staying disciplined and having a, uh, a program around how you're going to get from where you are to where you want to be, you know, it's really easy to open up the pantry and, grab a biscuit or grab a slice of cake like that's really easy it's very easy to be distracted it's very easy to fall off the the program and um and be de- and derail the whole thing 
And I, I reckon, I don't know, I just feel like it's not deep. It's not a thing that is actually that important to you that you want to go all in. Like, I, I just I just think that. And even, you know, the example before you use about um, uh, whether, you, you know, someone wants to be a multimillionaire or, or whatever it is, you know, what about those that it's not necessarily the drive about money, but like challenging yourself to be able to set up, you know, that company or three companies or five companies or whatever it is, is being able to see whether you can, you can do that. You know, is that, is that driven by our egos to, you know, prove ourselves wrong or prove other people wrong? Like what, if that's not the money thing, it could it be as basic as proving to ourselves that we can do these things. Yeah, so it always comes down to why, you know, as Simon Sinek says, start with why, even with the weight loss and the business thing. You've got to work out, well, why do you actually want to lose weight? Do you want to lose weight because you feel like it'll make you look attractive to everyone else? Or are you actually doing it from a place of love for yourself? See, for me, in terms of health, Mm. I feel like if I keep giving my body the things that it loves and the things that my body, that things that love my body, then my body will look exactly what it is supposed to look like no matter what. I understand. And it will find its own balance. So it's not about this end goal of like losing 20 kilos and fitting into size eight clothes, but it's coming into a place of, you know, I know that I'm doing this because I love my body and I accept my body no matter what it looks like. So is that the journey like that we, that we talk about before, which is, you know, we talk about the, the game and not necessarily trying to strive for that outcome, but enjoy that journey from where we are now and going towards where we want to go. And I mean, it, certainly in conversation with our clients, like when we when we when we um, chalk up these aspirations, like once we've ticked those two or three things off, like people say to me can we go through that process again? Cause I want to set new goals. Mm. And it's, it, it's one, it, it, I suspect it's not the goal, right? Mm. Well, I don't think it's the goal because once you've hit it, it's not like life ends and we're happy and we're ready to die. Like there's more to it. Let's push ourselves again. And that's a good question. Like, I don't know why maybe the process is enjoyable for these people. Maybe, you know, getting from where they were to now where they are is something that they enjoy doing. And mm. I don't know, I've never thought about that actually. I've never, I don't think I've actually ever even asked anyone why they want to then do that next thing. Well, we ask them why they want to do the next thing. There's always reason for it, but sort of going deeper and trying to identify that process and whether they enjoy um, the process or not. But, you know, but it's also hard. Like it's not an easy thing to be constantly pursuing mm. something. Yeah. And I think um, an element of that is this attachment or addiction to this feeling of euphoria because when you get that goal, when you finally achieve that goal and you finally see those numbers or whatever it is, you're like, oh, my God, yes, I did it. And then you get this sense of euphoria or ecstasy that arises within you. Mm -hmm. And that ecstasy is always temporary. It goes within a few days or a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Eventually it will go. So then you're like, well, how am I going to get that ecstasy back? And then you still you want more of that. So then the person that gave you that ecstasy was you. So then they come and ask you for more help in getting it again. It's almost like akin to 
you go and buy, I don't know, a new car or a new lounge suite or a new pair of shoes. And it's like, you know, the new car smell, the new shoe smell. Mm -hmm. And eventually your new shoes become the shoes that you mow the lawn in. Yeah. Like this happens, right? And then, I don't know, the car's all banged up and whatever. And then you want the next thing. So it's almost like uh, it's almost uh, as if it's another materialistic thing Mm -hmm. that, we want and we need to go shopping for the next thing to give us that same feeling. euphoria and that same feeling. What's all that feeling? What else is it? Mm, yeah, that's right. There's, but there's nothing else. Like whether we go, you know, on holidays or whether you go on a roller coaster ride or whatever it is, it's it's nothing but a feeling mm. and a sensation that you have. Yeah. And an experience that you have. Like what there's nothing else. No, no. Life is an experience. It's all an experience and it's about how you experience it and if you spend your whole life chasing those sorts of things the ecstasy and the euphoria um but what's wrong with that like isn't isn't life meant to be enjoyed and to feel um yeah but when you think about it if you're chasing euphoria and ecstasy your whole life and the ecstasy and the euphoria come once every couple of years three years or four years what are you doing that all that time in between you're just chasing <laughs> yeah, well, that's cheap <laughs> So um, why not? Just You're going to set, set lower goals so you achieve more frequently. <laughs> <laughs> like why not just let go of all of it and just enjoy life in the way that life, like the things that life has to offer you. But we, we can't right because now. we you said before, because we want to control. Yeah. What, do you, what do you want to control? I don't know. Why are you trying to control your life? Because that's what people say. What? Like, how, <laughs> yeah, what do like, you mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know why. Like controlling the outcomes, you mean, or controlling the direction of your life? Yeah, or? maybe. Well, it's just, it's, I think it just goes back to having a purpose and having those goals and having those aspirations and things that you value and working towards them mm. and not allowing, well, again, not allowing others or things to take away the prospect or opportunity to be able to do those things what's wrong with that Mm. well again we're going back to the start with why why are you doing all of that Mm -hmm. you know you talk about purpose but why you know why what is the purpose why do you do what you do yeah and I think just going back to what we were talking about before um, which was surviving and thriving in the environment. I mean, no one could control the pandemic and no one could control what that resulted in with being locked down and, and so on and so forth. Yet we could still kind of then, so to speak, swim in that pond because they were the circumstances. Yeah, I think, I think. I think the the progress and of human beings is like the easiest bet to make, but we don't mm-hmm. we don't make it. Like it's yeah. like a sure bet, right? The yeah. prosperity and progress of human beings. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And even for ourselves, we don't back ourselves often enough to be able to do the things that we want to do in any environment. Yet when we're put in that environment, we do. I don't know. It's mm. just a weird thing to think about. Yeah, because our mind stops us from doing it. 
That's why our mind because our of mind because of so our critical, fears we're so critical of ourselves and judgmental of ourselves that we stop ourselves from doing it. Like when you think about coming from a place of love, you know, you say you like you know how you we first get engaged and it's like wow, it was so surrounded by love and it's like this union between the two of us. Anything is possible. Like you know, do you remember feeling that? Yeah, it that, does. Like off. you know, when you when you have that connection, it's like well, anything's possible. I'm here with you. You're here with me, and together we can achieve anything. Yeah, yeah. But then when we're by ourselves, it's like we start getting those inner critic the inner critic comes up where your mind's like well there's no way you can do this like it's just you you're only your small you um you know blah 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 and then you that's not for everyone it's not for everybody but everybody has an inner dialogue of some in some way everyone does yeah yeah. i don't maybe not like Eckhart Tolle but (laughs) um yeah and so so it really comes down to you just getting to a place of love for yourself and coming to like, why are you doing what you're doing? And when you come into that, then anything is possible and everything will be available to you. You can do anything. The concept of inner, well, the inner dialogue, is that the thing that stops us from dreaming big and just because I've got a fundamental belief that unless you believe it subconsciously and in your own mind, you believe something can happen. I don't know. I just feel like it's unlikely to happen. Like you just, you, you almost subconsciously act in a way that prohibits you from getting that thing because that's just the way you behave and think. Right. Mm, Yeah. Um, But it depends on whether it is that you're supposed to get it because like, for example, like Tom Cruise, he started out at school as a football player and he was really, really good at it. And then when he was like 18 or something, he banged up his knee and he couldn't play football again. And like he thought his career was destroyed. But then they had the school play going and he applied for that. And then he got into acting and look where he is now. So it's like the universe showed him that football isn't the way isn't the way of his path that it's supposed to be acting so like I think COVID did that for a lot of people where they're like well I thought that I was going in a certain direction but COVID hit and then it's like sort of like the worst thing but the best thing that's ever happened to me because then now I found my path but you can you can choose to I think that's a choice what with the Tom Cruise example the COVID example you can either accept that and again you can swim with the tide or you can try and swim against the tide and like in the tom cruise example he could have chosen not to apply for the school play and he said i'm not doing that i'm gonna wait for my knee to recover and i'm gonna flee yeah right and so the opportunities are always presenting mm-hmm. they're not once in a life yeah some things are once in a lifetime things but if you almost um open your mind and open yourself to opportunities uh, I think mm. th- those things can happen more often, but I feel like we're almost fixated on, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do this tomorrow and that's my, mm. which is totally me, right? Mm. I'm almost t- telling you, like, I mean, you know what my life is, but you don't give yourself the opportunity. You've got blinkers on and you're just heading in one direction. Mm. And, you know, that's good in one way, but I think it kind of deters you or d- it distracts you or doesn't allow you to see what the other opportunities are. Yeah, and as you say, it's to do with the attachment to the outcome and attachment to the control. But potentially a, an attachment to the process. 
Yeah, attachment to anything, like anything that's happening right now. So if you completely let go of that and you actually allow life to show you an experience, then that's when you'll find true freedom. Like just like going on a roller coaster, right? You don't know what to expect. Like you obviously expect a exhilarating ride, but like where it takes you, how it takes you, and those loops and turns and drops and whatever, like that is life. Um, and sometimes you have your ups, sometimes you have your downs, and it's it's about accepting that and mm. flowing with it. And we no can choose what. to see that as enjoyable and exhilarating and mm. thrilling, or we can see it as a really inconvenient shit thing that we had to do yeah uh, but the the ride was the same for every one of those carriages it's yeah. just how they see the ride mm. yeah yeah and then the, the whole like just going back to the belief thing like i think some people um do like you know the support of others and teams and all of those things like i i do i'm Although I do work really well on my own, I can get through a lot of things on my own, but I also like having a team around me to support me with certain aspects of what I'm doing or what I want to be able to do. So I feel like it's nice to have that support and that backup, but also for me, and this is not for everybody, but having the ability to be able to run independently, like, you know, I was obsessed with the, the last dance with Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan was an an independent player, but I think eventually soon realise that you, you can't be an independent player in a team. You're going to have to rely on your teammates to be able to, um, you know, win the championship. And they, you know, did that um, three times in the 90s in a row. So tell me, what is your biggest client problem? Like, what do they come to see you for? What do they come to see you to solve? Problem? Mm. Uh, I don't, I think... People come to see us to solve a problem, which I don't think is the real problem. Like, I don't think they know what the problem is. More often than not, we know what the problem is, but it's really hard to tell someone what the real problem is. They think it's something else. Can you give me a hypothetical example? So, I don't know, someone comes and says, hey, I've... I've got this superannuation fund and I need, uh, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a right in the right spot. I need someone to review it. And they think the superannuation is the problem when deep down it's probably something bigger, which probably relates more to I'm not confident about my financial future and I'm not going to have enough money retiring. Mm-hmm. But to, to, to them, they come and, you know, they, they put a superannuation statement in front of us. Or I've sold a business and I've got, you know, $20 million now or whatever the number is, and I need someone to do this. Can you invest this money? It's like, well, why? Well, because we need to invest the money. I've sold the business. But if you, if you actually peel it right back, it's probably because they've worked really hard and they've risked a lot to get them to where they are. And they now need this money to be doing something for beyond themselves. And it generally is beyond themselves because most people are not going to spend $20 million or 50 or $100 million or whatever the number is, or a million or $2 million. Um, and you could probably spend that money. But it's generally for something deeper and bigger. And it's generally for the security uh, of 
their own family and for their own generations. And a lot of these people have been, have grown up in not very fortunate circumstances. They've built businesses from the ground up and they've then sold them. And it's, you know, I feel this is then to make sure that your children and your family, because it's running away from where you came from, right? And so it's not wanting your family to go through the things that you went through. I don't know, you know, do we want our children to live an easier life? I don't think it's easier. I think it's just having more opportunity. We talked about it before. You can walk down the street with the blinkers on and say, I'm going from A to B, or you can have a plan to get from A to B, but be open to kind of what happens. It's like, you know, we've gone road trips. Like, hey, let's go this way. Like how much fun is a road trip, especially when you get lost? So much stuff happens. I don't know, your car gets bogged or you're driving to a patch of kangaroos and you just get out and like so many things can happen. And so I don't think it's necessarily like having an easier life. I think it's having more opportunity, more prospects. But, and I'm saying this out loud, I know this consciously, but subconsciously I don't. Money doesn't necessarily give you that. Like whether you've got $100 or $100 million, that take on life and that take on how you want to um, participate and experience life doesn't matter how much money you have. Mm, absolutely not. No. And I think there's so much, there's a lot of joy that comes in. Like if you have no money and you just, you're only able to afford say like a caravan park holiday. I think there's so much joy in that equally um, as joyful as having a private helicopter take you to a private. Yeah, but there's also, there's also people that, can afford the, the helicopter yeah, holiday. Yeah, the same sense of joy. Yeah, that's right. But they, they want to enjoy the caravan. Yeah, yeah. So we all, like, it's it's all, we're all the same, no matter what position we are in life and no matter where we are financially or how old we are, whatever it is, we have the same fears, the same love, the same joy, the same pain. And if we can all come from a place of love and acceptance for each other, lose the judgment and the criticism, that then the society can actually change and be a better place for everyone to live in. Yeah, I think it's easier said than, than done, though. But it all starts from <coughs> us individually. If you can be aware of your own, you know, what your own attachment is. Yeah, but half the time we are. don't know what our own is, let alone, you know, having some empathy and compassion for other people, let alone mm-hmm. ourselves. No, but I, I have a lot of faith in humanity. Like just looking at how everybody has come through COVID, it's just like I can look at everybody with pride and look at society with pride in knowing that we got through it. You know, well, not quite yet, but we got through the hard stuff anyway. Um, and I, I see that as very promising for the future for all of us and our generations. Yeah, look, I think human the progress and prosperity of human beings is the easiest bet to make. I mean, it's pretty clear over centuries um but just imagine just finally on the, the problem solving thing um and what clients come to us for i think most people want the same things like you say yes we want the control we want the perception of control but we're never fully in control no i mean trying to be in control can more often than not be detrimental to kind of the game plan that you put in place because you want to control all these things. It's like, well, why are you wasting energy, effort, money, and resources on controlling these things? We one, you don't need to, and in fact, it's your the outcome is 
is inferior to that of if you had set it up this way and you give up control or the perception of control and you just let this thing run its course. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we, I think most clients want the same things and generally it's being secure, being, I mean, I think ultimately people just want to be happy and they just want to have positive experiences um, and they want to um, enjoy life to its fullest. Um, but, you know, sadly, you know, especially people that we talk to, like in those in corporate work, corporate roles, don't get to do that until retirement. I think this concept of retirement was based on, um, us working and working and working and you know there's a certain day that all this finishes and now I can retire and now I can do all the things that I love it's like we've just wasted three quarters of our life doing something we didn't enjoy and now at you know may not be the best time in our lives from a health perspective or physically to try and do the things that we really wanted to do when in fact we should have been doing those things prior to and I think in, at least in my conversations, people are picking up, starting businesses, changing jobs and reassessing what they were doing. And I, I know a number of people that have pulled the pin and said, bugger it, I'm, I'm just finishing up work. I was planning on retiring at 60 or 65. I'm 55 now. And like the thing that I get the biggest kick out of is showing people that the things that they want to be able to do are actually possible and that they can do those things um, in, a, in a completely different way to what they had thought in their own mind. So to me, that's like the biggest kick mm-hmm. is being able to help people get to where they ultimately want faster, quicker, in a more efficient way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and backing people up to say, because I think people are really afraid to make big decisions. And so having someone to say, hey, you can actually do that. And this is what we're going to do. And this is how it's going to, we think it's, it's going to play out. But it's no guarantee, there's no guarantees. You're just going to have to just, just roll with that, roll with whatever happens. Like that, I think that's, that's the best part of doing what I do, which is giving people that um, confidence to be able to do things. Mm, yeah I think that's really powerful to um, have somebody come to you and and know in their heart that they they want things to change and then you being able to give that to them the biggest challenge though is is trying to have people be somewhat articulate and have and be able to have plans and priorities and things they want to be able to do and share them with us so that we can kind of you know, reorganize the deck chairs, so to speak, so that it is. And the thing that we always say is we part of our job is to link the decisions you make with your uh, life to your balance sheet. And so using your balance sheet as a resource to kind of give you the ability to do the things that you might might want that you want to be able to do instead of looking them looking at those two things independently and it goes back to the question you asked when what what will come to you and what they ultimately want when people come to us and they say hey, i've got 10 million dollars or a million dollars or 100 million dollars or whatever the number is when you do something with this they're not looking at it through the lens of life they see people like us as you're a money person so make me more money mm-hmm. and i think the more that there are that 
there are people that work in my firm around the world who can start looking at people, clients as human beings instead of just numbers or a balance sheet, I think we and our profession and our work can have a far greater impact beyond just, you know, growing the pot from um, one to two or one to five. And I think clients have a much better outcome and clients have a much better experience. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I love it when clients send a photo of the new car that they bought or the beach house they just finished renovating or, I don't know, whatever it is that is important to them and we've been able to use their balance sheet to drive that. Like I think, I don't know, I just, I just feel like to me that's what gives me a massive kick, not to, I don't know, invest in company A versus company B. That's a decision, but there is a much deeper reason why we're making that decision. It, it's not just a decision in of itself. Mm, and it's very easy in your, and I think coming from a third person, you know, I'm not in your industry at all. And I think it's very easy in your industry to go into this line of work because you want, yeah, just purely because you want to make money. And I think um, as we were going talking before about the start with why, if your why is actually to help people and change their lives on a soul level, then that is what will drive you and keep going for you forever. Whereas you've got the people who just do it for the money and there's a lot of suffering and struggle. There. I mean, and that's that's okay. I mean, that's that's how I guess how you recognize maybe this duality of that's not what I want and that's what I want. So if you don't have that, how do you know that this is what you want? Um, does that make sense? I guess so. Like if you if you don't, so I'll give you an example. Um, we met with a client recently who had a conversation with, and we were just chatting about and. He said to me, he said, I can already feel this based on this conversation, this is the direction that we want to go. I mean, our sort of tagline is um, changing the conversation about money. And I think that's really what we're here to do is change the conversation that people are, are accustomed to because they come see finance people and the, the aim of the game is to make $1 into two and that's okay. That may very well be the aim of the game. But if we don't know why and why we're doing that and the purpose behind why we're pursuing that, it, it makes our job less, um, what's the word? It makes our job one more difficult, but I don't know, selfishly less enjoyable. I don't know, mm. because we don't, we don't know why we're doing it. Yeah, of course, because your meaning for you doing your job is way beyond money. Whereas if you go to those people, would probably go to somebody who's doing it for the money sure. and then they will really align with each other and work towards that um, whereas you are doing it for a deeper meaning as you say deeper mm. purpose mm. yeah the, the only challenge going under that business model is is that people don't know that yet so when they come to talk to people like us and others like us and they want to um, talk about this superannuation and you're like so tell me about life and like why are we talking about life I just want to fix my superannuation yeah and so you run unless you um, manage that in the right way you run the risk of that client not well maybe 
they shouldn't be working with you if they can't kind of mm. see through the see through that and understand why you're trying to get that. I think there's an there's an art in being able to you know hold the client's hand and together walk down the pathway that you think that they need to go down. Yeah, and I really think that if you're working with people on a heart or soul level, that people will just be attracted to you anyway. So I don't think, yeah, in, in that case, I don't think you would need to worry about people not signing on or whatever. Mm. Mm. All right, let's wrap it up. Um, okay. Thanks. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> <laughs>